0: Welcome to our podcast for First United Methodist Church of West Pittston, Pennsylvania. Our scripture readings for later in the service will be Romans 5, 1-8, and Isaiah 40, 21-31. I am Rev. Tenny Rubnick and my email address is tenhutrup at gmail.com, that's T-E-N-H-U-T-R-U-P, at gmail.com. Please send me any prayer requests you have and let me know if they're private in nature or if it's okay to share on next week's podcast so that your church family may be praying for you. The prayer requests that were shared for this week are for our country and its police officers, for Harold Burritt and his upcoming surgery, for Celeste, a 27 year old with a large brain tumor and for Beverly Garzella and other family and loved ones after the passing of Kai Garzella. And I do have a couple quick announcements this morning. Firstly, I will post an article later today on our Facebook page, which is a follow-up to this morning's sermon. It's not a long read, and it's a good one. It's full of truth. I invite you to check it out. Secondly, the Department of Health website is indicating, and I'm recording this on Friday, but... The Department of Health website is indicating that Luzerne County will enter the green phase and open up more on Friday, June 19th. I'm so happy about this, as I know the rest of you all probably are, and this means that we can resume attending church in person very soon, and I was hoping that that day would be June 28th, because if we open on the 19th, I feel like turning around and trying to to get ready to be together on the 21st will be a bit too quick. But June 28th, there will, of course, be certain important changes that will be put in place. We're going to have to block off some pews. You're going to have to wear a face mask to service. We're going to have to use hand sanitizer and keep social distancing, those sorts of things. But I'll release a statement concerning those changes later this week. And just wanted to say that I'm so very excited that hopefully this time of not being in our church is coming to an end. The second Sunday after Pentecost. June 14th, 2020. Our gathering meditation this morning is from Exodus 19, verses 3 through 5a. And Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, If you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Gather together with me by closing your eyes and imagining our sanctuary around you, the sanctuary we soon may be able to visit again in person, the smooth pew beneath you, the shuffles and whispers of those around you, the light slanting in through the stained glass windows, the the noise from the avenue, the flickering flame of the candles. Place yourself there in your mind. We are not there in person, but God can help us feel there in spirit. Our invocation. Lord God, our God, we give you thanks and praise for your mercy and your love. Make us worthy, O Lord, to receive all your gifts. Descend on us like the light of a new day. Give your light unto our souls and put your praise onto our lips, now and forevermore. Amen. Our opening hymn for this morning is 393 in the hymnal, entitled Spirit of the Living God. I'm going to sing it, and I'm going to sing through it twice. I invite you to sing along with me. The first time I'm going to use the pronoun of me, Spirit of the Living God Fall Afresh on Me, and the second time I'm going to change that to us. to to meet all of us, of course. So if you want to sing along with me, I invite you to do that.
1: Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, Fill me, use me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, Spirit of the living God, Fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God Fall afresh on us Melt us, mold us Fill us, use us Spirit of the living God Fresh on
0: us. Our call to worship. Lord God, through Jesus, you opened the eyes of the blind, you healed the sick and fed the hungry. We give you thanks and praise for your mercy and your love. Loving Father, by the Spirit, you restore strength to the weary and give hope to those who are in despair. We give you thanks and praise for your mercy and your love. You call us, Lord, to proclaim your deeds and your wonders to all people. You call us to worship and serve you that all may be made whole. You offer us new life of righteousness. We give you thanks and praise for your mercy and your love. Make us worthy, O Lord, to receive all your gifts. Descend on us like the light of a new day. Give light to our souls and put your praise upon our lips. Amen and now as we have so gathered not together in body physically but still together as the body of Christ let us bend the knees of our hearts and bow our heads before our creator sustainer and lord in prayer let us pray
1: oh lord hear us. merciful God, full of grace.
0: Hear our prayers of confession and our prayers of need in these next few moments of silence. You lift us up to the heights, Holy One. On wings like eagles, you enable us to soar with the possibilities of revolution and of transformation, both within our own souls and within this world which needs so much of our loving care. And yet it is not the bright skies where we most often live. We are here with our feet on the ground, your feet planted firmly beside us as we try to walk without fainting, walk through the shadows of death and ill health and addiction. Walk through life changes, moves, births, aging, loss. We need your strength to not grow weary as we continue to hope for new life amidst old attitudes and injuries. We long to run and not grow faint as we challenge demeaning political tirades that seep into our own daily encounters and as we work for your compassion and wholeness for all people and all creatures and the very earth. Lift us up to the heights, Holy One, so that we may again catch a glimpse of the vast possibilities of your great shalom, your great wholeness, your great completeness, your great peace, even as we pray for it here on earth by praying as your Son taught us to, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, taken from 143 in the hymnal and is entitled On Eagle's Wings, but it's a bit longer. And before I begin, I'd just like to remind Eddie Miller, if he's listening, that this song is not about the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: You who dwell in the shelter of the Lord, who abide in His shadow, life. Say to the Lord, my refuge, my rock, in whom I trust. And he will raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of his hand. The snare of the fowler will never capture you. shield and he will raise you up on eagle's wings bear you on the breath of dawn make you to shine like the sun and hold you in the palm of his hand You need not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, though thousands fall about you, near you. They shall not come, cause he will raise you up on eagles' wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of his hand and hold you, hold you in the palm of his hand.
0: Let us join together now in our confession of faith as we recite the Apostles' Creed. Let us say what we believe and believe what it is that we say. the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Now would be the time in our service in which we would ask the ushers to come forward and we would give of our offering. Thank you, beloved family at first, for continuing to give while our doors remained closed during this pandemic. Please remember to continue to give to your church so that our ministry will be there as strong as ever when we return. And so I say now, as I say every week, just as Almighty God gave up entirely of God's self for our sakes. We are likewise called to give up of ourselves time and time again for the sake of others. Let us pray. We worship you, O God, with gladness. We are your people. Your love endures forever. You have been faithful to all generations. As witness to this faith which we claim, we boldly give for your church and its ministry because we know the amazing ways this church makes a difference in our lives and in our community with joy in our hearts we give to others as we have received from you and all god's children say amen praise god from whom all blessings flow praise god all creatures here below praise god above ye heavenly host praise creator christ and holy ghost amen Our next hymn this morning is number 515 in our hymnal and is entitled, Out of the Depths I Cry to You. Out of the Depths I Cry to You. O Lord, now hear me calling. Incline your ear to my distress in spite of my rebelling. Do not regard my sinful deeds. Send me the grace my spirit needs. Without it, I am nothing. All things you send are full of grace. You crown our lives with favor. All our good works are done in vain without our Lord and Savior. We praise the God who gives us faith and saves us from the grip of death. Our lives are in God's keeping. It is in God that we shall hope and not in our own merit. We rest our fears in God's good word and trust the Holy Spirit, whose promises keeps us strong and sure, We trust the holy signature inscribed upon our temples. My soul is waiting for the Lord as one who longs for mourning. No watcher waits with greater hope than I for Christ's returning. I hope as Israel in the Lord who sends redemption through the word. Praise God for endless mercy. Our epistle reading this morning is from the book of Romans chapter five. Verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Our Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, 21 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is the Lord your God who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in. Who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our message for this morning is entitled, Have you not heard? We are not perfect. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? We are not perfect. It's true. In fact, we're not even close. We're actually very, very far from it. We make mistakes. We can be callous and hard hearted. We can be selfish and cold, judgmental and weak. We think of ourselves before we consider others. And while we may say things like we are no longer our own but God's and that we freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to our Lord's pleasure and disposal, we kind of rarely do because our wants get in the way and our pride gets in the way and our habits and expectations and desires just get in the way. Wouldn't you agree? I think you do agree. I think that most of you listening are probably freely enough admitting that you personally and individually are not in fact perfect. I think you might be on board enough to even say it with me, I'm confident enough of this that I'm going to ask you on the count of three to do just that right now with this podcast, to say it with me, to say, we are not perfect. You ready? One, two, three. We are not perfect. That's right. We know it. We're not. And as I said, I assumed that most of you listening could freely enough admit that you as a person and individually are not in fact perfect, and that you are personally and individually perhaps pride-filled and sin-soaked, selfish at times. But, and this is the point I wanted to introduce today and make for all of us, but I do think it would be harder for most of us to admit to the sinfulness, that selfishness and sometimes straight-out meanness, harder for us to admit to it if we're challenged to claim it for the we in my initial wording. What do I mean? Well, let me explain. While I think it can be easier for a person to say, yeah, pastor, I can be selfish and am incredibly flawed, unkind at times. Easier for an individual person to admit to that than it ever is for a group of people to admit the very same thing. Easier for one person to admit to their own failures than it can be for a whole group to do so. Think of it this way. I, as a 45-year-old person named Tenny, can find it easy enough to say, I mess up all the time. I have selfishness in me, unloving attitudes, and sin. Easier for me to own up to that personally than it would ever be for a large group of women in their 40s, for example, to say, we 40-something women are selfish and unloving and full of sin about us as a whole, about our we as we identify ourselves because claiming such failures for the whole group the whole group well that's just sweeping generalization and feels threatening and wrong it feels like an unfair labeling of the many and a very unfavorable labeling at that we shy away from naming our faults as a member of a group with such a broad and sweeping gesture While we can admit to individual sin in the hopes that we will quickly then be excused from it, we shy away from accepting blame for corporate or group sin in the fear that we'll be held later accountable for it. Let me say that again. While we can admit to individual sin in the hopes that we will be quickly then excused from it, we shy away from accepting blame for corporate or group sin in the fear that we'll be held later accountable for it. It's a hard thing to not only recognize where we go wrong as a group, but also to admit to such a thing as it is called, to admit to such a thing as corporate or shared sin. Because the idea of shared sin is kind of out of style in our individualistic culture. We can't really relate. It doesn't really translate for us. I sin... Sure. I could admit to that easily enough, but the idea that a group that I belong to and identify with does sin, well, that's as they say in the classic film, The Wizard of Oz, that's a horse of a different color. We'll get back to all that in a bit. Not back to horses that change color, but back to the idea of corporate or shared sin. But first, I'd like to talk to you for a bit about eagles. Yep, eagles and Not about the team for you Philadelphia fans out there, but about the majestic birds of prey, about the impressive flying raptors. When I was still living in South Carolina and serving as a pastor there, I had a meeting one day with a bunch of other pastors. This meeting was mandatory, and we were there to take part of a necessary training. But before our training began, one of the pastors had been asked to lead the rest of us in a short time of devotion. So she walked up to the front, and right off, she said to all of us, Please tell me I'm not the only one here who has been watching that eagle nest on live cam this past week. Huh? I thought. Eagle nest? Live cam? Apparently, and this was a few years ago, there was a very popular live feed set up in the wilderness at a bald eagle's nest and folks from all over the country were logging onto this live feed and were getting a chance to see the male and female bald eagles coming to the nest and going away from it and and this was the real draw to see the clutch of eggs that the female had laid there think of it a camera close enough to these paired eagles airy to their normally inaccessible nest and showing that this normally unseen sight and a live feed to whomever was interested. It's kind of like a few years back when there was such a hubbub online about that baby giraffe that was to be born and just about everyone it seemed was watching. And so in the case of this eagle's nest and her clutch of eggs, I guess there was a large internet audience that was in impatient anticipation For those eggs to hatch and for those eaglets to break free and to greet the waiting world and this pastor in south carolina the one giving our devotion that day well she had gotten all caught up in the excitement logging in checking it out many times a day she was really really into it and she told us that in all her excitement for those eggs to hatch she told us that she became more and more curious about eagles in general and that she had been reading up on them in her spare time, reading up on the eagles, their habits and ways. And she told us that in her reading, she discovered something she had never before been aware of, something she wanted to share with us. And she began to fill us in on what she learned about the process of eagles molting. How many of you out there are familiar with a major midlife molt, M-O-L-T, that an eagle will undertake? I certainly wasn't, not until I heard about it from her. Evidently, as an eagle ages, its beak softens, its talons soften, and its feathers lose that light, flexible character of youth and get hard and brittle instead. And these side effects, as you can imagine, of an eagle's aging process are, of course, a terrible turn of events for a bird of prey. Brittle feathers make it harder to swoop, soar, and dive. Softer talons and beak make it more difficult to kill, to carry away, and to rip into their prey so they can eat. And so, as a result, these aging eagles wind up being less and less successful in their hunt, which means they wind up eating less, which of course means they wind up growing weaker and weaker. Now, this generally happens to eagles when they are about 40 years of age. While this is an ancient or impossible age for many types of birds, it is the age when an eagle will molt at 40 years old. It's at this age that the eagle will give in to its instinct and will actually give up the hunt. It's at this point at which an eagle turns its back on all of its recent struggle its recent unsuccessful hunts and increasing hunger, and when it finds for itself a protected valley, and when it swoops down and into it, and settles down and into it, and just stays still, just stays there, not hunting, in order it would seem initially to just give up. But in reality, a surrender or a giving in is not at all what is happening here. Instead, this is when and where an intense period of refining, redefining, and regrowth begins because that eagle in that valley, well, it finds a boulder or a rocky outcropping and it begins to swing its head back and forth and back and forth and to strike violently against that rocky outcropping with this side and then that side and then this side again of its beak. And it rears back its head and strikes that rock straight on with its beak. Straight on, hard, side to side, even harder. Whack, straight on. Whack, whack, side to side. Powerful swings of the head and powerful impacts against the beak. And this four decades old eagle strikes and pummels and whacks its beak over and over again against that rock. Time and time again until that softer, aging beak begins to splinter and to crack and to break away. But the eagle doesn't stop then. The eagle continues on, as the eagle continues to snap off and break off and then scour away and sand away at the rough and jagged edges of its own beak until the older and weakening beak is completely gone and a new, fresh and diamond hard beak begins to grow in its place until a new hunting worthy, ripping worthy beak forms anew. It's pretty incredible, but the eagle doesn't stop there either. For as this new tougher beak is forming, the eagle uses it as best it can to then get to work on its talons to address the problem of its softening and insufficient talons by breaking them off and pulling them out. And also by using that new tough beak to get to work on its brittle feathers by cleaning them up and pulling them out so that harder talons can grow in and softer feathers can form. And until this eagle can emerge from that period of discomfort, that place of self-focus, that wasteland period and wilderness time, until that eagle can emerge from that protected valley, strengthened and renewed and revitalized until that eagle can raise itself up and out of that necessary roughness with a necessary toughness to really live once again. And you know what? The eagle that successfully molts and rises on its wings once again, it can, listen to this, that eagle can live another 30 to 40 years with its new beak and talons and feathers, with its new approach to life. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning, we are not perfect? We are not. It's true. In fact, we're not even close. We are actually very, very far from it. We make mistakes. We can be callous and hard-hearted. We can be selfish and cold, judgmental and weak. We think of ourselves before we consider others. And while we may say things like we are no longer our own, but God's, we kind of rarely are. Because our wants get in the way and our pride gets in the way and our habits and expectations and desires just get in the way and this time when you hear those words repeated can you hear the we in those statements and maybe be more open to it maybe able to ease yourself into the idea as unfamiliar and uncomfortable and painful as it might be ease yourself into the idea of a sin that can belong to a we a shared sin a corporate sin It's hard, I know. I don't like it either. But you know, the idea of a corporate or shared sin is not a new idea. And it goes way, way back in our Christianity. The idea of corporate or shared sin was around in the early church. And it was around even before that, before the Christian church. And that it was even strongly around in the Jewish faith, in the faith of Jesus, our Christ, the faith of our Savior. It was there for his ancestors and for himself. It was there in his faith, even before he was born under that star and took his first squalling breath and lived. It's totally biblical, the idea, the reality of corporate and shared sin. It's there when God became furiously angry with whole groups of people, with all the Israelites, for example, and would send punishment for a whole group rather than just one or two individuals. It was there later then, when Jesus was angry with and called all the Pharisees and scribes unfavorable names when he told them they were hypocrites and blind guides and fools. And we can be. Yes, we can be. As people, as Christians, yes, even as Americans and Caucasians, it'd be the worst kind of pride to deny it. We can as well be hypocrites and blind guides and fools, but don't despair. There is hope. Listen to this verse from the fifth chapter of Romans, a passage that also holds to the reality of corporate or shared sin, but also offers a reality of hope. Listen to Romans where it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man— The many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. What is this passage saying? Well, it's saying that Adam sinned and that we're all sinners individually. And it's saying that we are all sinners as human beings, as a group, as God's Adam, corporately and in a shared way. But it is also saying that our forgiveness and our redemption and our salvation is corporate and shared as well. For through the obedience of the one man, that is Jesus the Christ, the many will be made righteous. The many will be saved. Through our faith in Jesus the Christ, we will be saved. But you know, there's something I haven't told you yet about those molting eagles something I left out as I spoke of their valley experience, and that is this. While all aging, talon and beak softening and feather hardening eagles fly into the valley and all of them settle in it, while they all have had that time in which they are given an opportunity to face and acknowledge their weakness and brittleness that causes them to fail and begin dying, while they all come to that wilderness time and enter into that place of rocky outcroppings, a place of much vulnerability and of endless expanse of sky, while they all go into that valley, they don't all come out. Listen up now, for it's important to hear that all the aging eagles descend into the valleys, but they don't all ascend up and out of them. All go down Not all rise up, because unless they accept and embrace and undertake, and not all of them do, the hard and painful and uncomfortable work of breaking up and ripping at and tearing away of the bad so that the better can grow in its place, they just become more and more weak and more and more hungry and more and more exposed and more and more incapable those eagles who avoid and shun and fold under the needed pain, the unavoidable change, the necessary roughness, will they sink slowly into feebleness and onto death? Let's not be like those eagles. Is there a softness towards sin in our lives? May we break it against the rocks and shatter it. Is there a hardness of heart that is formed in us? May we strip it away and pluck it out. May we use this time, this valley time, when we are forced to face our own selves, may we use this time as a time to say, we trust you, God. We love you, God. We know that we are not perfect and are meant for better things than this and we will keep working at and breaking up and ripping away until we are remade and renewed and re-strengthened once again, until we are fit and able to once more rise up and fly away again. Please, let's not let our pride get in the way. For as the prophet Isaiah said, Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our final hymn this morning is number 670 in the hymnal and is entitled, Go Forth for God. Go forth for God. Go to the world in peace. Be of good courage, armed with heavenly grace. In God's good spirit daily to increase, till in the kingdom we see face to face. Go forth for God. Go into the world in peace. Go forth for God. Go into the world in love. Strengthen the faint. Give courage to the weak. Help the afflicted. Richly from above, God's love supplies the grace and power we seek. Go forth for God, go to the world in love. Go forth for God, go to the world in strength. Hold fast to the good, be urgent for the right. Render to no one evil. Christ at length shall overcome all darkness with his light. Go forth for God, go to the world in strength. Go forth for God, go to the world in joy to serve God's people every day and hour and serving Christ our every gift employ, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit's power. Go forth for God, go to the world in joy. Before we take our leave now of one another, may we recite the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love for it is in giving that we receive it is in pardoning that we are pardoned and it is in dying that we are born into eternal life amen god of life god of hope god of all lift us on your love like eagle's wings sustain us guide us heal us then send us forth into the world that we may love as you love we go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ Amen
1: Shalom to you now Shalom my friends May God's full mercies bless you my friends in all your living And through your loving, Christ be your shalom, Christ be your shalom.